Okay, gentlemen, we are up to chapter six, which I've entitled The Human Soul, Kleeper and Sitra Achra. It, it was it it's really helpful if you can have a, a scrap of paper and a pen with you because we're just gonna be we're gonna be defining loads of stuff with some very succinct um definitions that are gonna be really helpful that if you just jot them down, you'll have them. If you don't, you won't. So that's that's just my advice. So the first question, I'm gonna go what the, the way the actual chapter is structured. Um I've in my absolute guyver, I've I kind of re-changed things a little bit just because the way that I felt I would be able to not that I'm correcting the Rebbe in any way, just I felt that I would be able to give it over a little bit better. Um so I'm I'm adjusting the chapter, but I hope it, it's there. We're gonna say a few things that aren't in the chapter as well, uh, but I'll let you know when we do that. Um otherwise, let's jump in. So the first thing the Rebbe does is he tells us that our human soul, we've already said this, the uh, the human soul, we're talking about the Jewish human soul. He doesn't call it the animal soul in this chapter. So we'll call it the Jewish soul. Uh, so the human soul uh, comes from Sitra Achra and it comes from Klippus Neuger within the Sitra Achra. So straight away, we need to have a definition for what is Sitra Achra and what is Klippa. So he says Klippa Neuger. So we know, everyone knows there's Klippas Neuger and Klippas Timaeus. But there's also the Klali general term Klippa. So we need to know that Sitra Achra and Klippa, when it's not a, when it's not adjusted by Neuger or Klippas Timaeus, Sitra Achra and Klippa are absolutely synonymous with one another. So the question is, what's with the redundancy? Why do you need two terms to tell me about one thing? And it's very profound that it's just like when you're talking about a dime. Yeah, a dime is 10 cents. Is that right? Yeah. So why is it it's called 10 cents and it's called a dime? It's the same thing. Well, a dime is defining it in its own sense. Sense with an S. And 10 cents is giving it to you in relationship to a dollar. So you're really learning two things about this coin. So Sitra Achra, what you learn about the that this thing from the term Sitra Achra is its essence. And from the word Klippa, you learn its function. Sitra Achra, the essence, Sitra Achra basically is the we've said this before, it's the mechanism that Hashem uses to provide us with free will. Meaning, in other words, it provides man, specifically a Jew, with the option of choosing another um, um, another um, what's the word? another viable option that's what free will is without free will there's just Hashem with free will there's now me and Hashem so Sitra Achra is that that's the mechanism now Sitra Achra refers to the fact that its very definition is that it's just defined as the other side the essence of Sitra Achra is that it is a non-being 
its very definition is that it's just the other side, the other side of what? The other side of Kedusha, meaning the other, the other side of, in Chabad, they say godliness. And, and the other side of the bonus Shlomo, it's, it's, it's just not God. So what is it? Well, it's it's just not God. So what is it? It's it's nothing. That's why it's called Sitra Achra. So that's the essence. So Sitra Achra descri describes the essence of Ra, the essence of what we call evil. Evil really is the term that we use to de describe the fact that we've got another option to choose. The choice is always between good and evil, meaning between a Shem and something else, something other. Sitra Achra. So what does Klipa describe? Klipa describes its function, how it works. So Klipa is a shell, is a husk, is a peel, yeah, a rind. It covers over. That's how it works. That's its function. So Sitra Achra is describing the fact that it doesn't have any reality to it, any truth, any real reality to it. And Klipa tells you how it works. It covers up, it covers over, and it conceals the fact that God is Echad. If it wasn't for the Klipa, like we've said before, you would fall on your face and just endlessly scream, Hashem Walakim, Hashem Walakim, Hashem Walakim, until you just expired. Thank God for Klipa. Um, so Klipa covers now there's two kinds of covering okay and this is where clipper um oh sorry before i get into two kinds of clipper the, the, there's there's the the two functions that the clipper has so the first one is that it covers okay it conceals the the godliness inside the elokus inside the kadusha inside okay and that tangentially is what we refer to as hestapanim that's that's what hestapanim is hestapanim is referring to clipper Hestapanim and Klipa is also synonymous. Um, and Hestapanim, let, let, maybe put that aside. We'll, we'll get that. We'll go too off track right now if we talk about that, but maybe we'll get there a bit later. Um, number one, Klipa conceals. Number two, Klipa is a means to an end. The shell of an egg has no intrinsic value unto itself. Its value is only exclusively in relationship to the the, the slimy stuff, whatever you call it, the, the egg, whatever that's called, the egg bit of the egg. Yolk, the yolk. Yeah, but also the white stuff, whatever. But that, oh. so, so a shell or like the, the rind of an orange, I know you might say, oh, but what about those cheap chocolates you get in Israel with the like rind of the orange covered in like cheap power of chocolate that leaves that horrible like filmy thing on your tongue. But but but, but Lamaisa, the rind of an orange is only of value in relationship to the orange. It's a means to an end. So Kleep is a means to an end. What's the end? Is providing us with Bechira. That's all it is. It's a means to an end. So those are the two functions of Klipa, which is revealed in the word Klipa. Number one, it conceals. And number two, it's just a means to an end, like a Klipa. Okay. Now, there's two levels of concealment. The lower level is called the Gimel Klipa Satameus. 
and the lesser level of concealment is called Klippas Neuger. Shalom Israel. So, Klippas Neuger could be translated, whatever, as translucent. Klippas Timaeus can be translated as opaque. Translucent is like the windows behind Yitzi right now, like milky frosted glass. Oh, I don't know if they are. Is that frosted glass? Oh, maybe it's not. Frosted, frosted glass is translucent. A wall is opaque and a, a, a regular window is transparent. So those three words are quite important for us today. Very important for us. Transparent, we're not going to talk about right now, but that would be called Kedusha. Translucent, that's called Klippus, uh, Klippus Neuger. Neuger means to shine. It doesn't mean that the Klipper actually shines, although the truth is, I'm not quite sure about that. That's quite a deep Indian. Um, but but for basically for our for our intents and purposes right here, it doesn't mean that the clipper itself actually shines. It means that the clipper is of a lesser intensity, so the kadusha in, inside it shines through. And clipus Timaeus, the gimel clipus Timaeus is opaque. They don't let any light go through whatsoever. So clipus Neuger is the is the world of really what's called permissible. It's the world that the Jew is involved in primarily. And it's things that are permitted, things that are permissible, um, like kosher food, um, kosher relationships, um, um, anything that's kosher, basically. There's no mitzvah to eat all the kosher food in the world. There's a there's an avera to not to eat tray food. So kosher food is... Is Klippas Neuger. Klippas Neuger basically means that we have access to the Kedusha inside. Everything has Kedusha. Even, even like literally every single thing in creation has an element of Kedusha. The question is, how revealed is that Kedusha? So in something that's that's Mamash Kadosh, then it's ultimately revealed, utterly revealed. In something that's Klippas Neuger, it is um concealed partially and revealed partially just like when you like um when you're looking through a frosted glass window you can't look through it you can't see the details on what's on the other side but you can know for example if it's day or night so it allows an element of revelation but it basically conceals Whereas the Klippas Timaeus, the Gimel Klippas Timaeus, which we're going to refer to just as Klippas Timaeus, and although it says Gimel Klippas Timaeus, which means three holy, unpure Klippas, we never, not in the whole of Tanya, and in like very few places in, in all of Chabad Chasidus, does it talk about them as three different things, and there's a Machloikas if they're if it's right, left, and middle, or if it's up, down, and bottom, like it's whatever. We're, it doesn't matter. We're talking about them as one thing. Okay. So even though it says Gimel Klippas Tameis, we're just looking at it as a single entity. So we've got transparent, which is Kadosh. We've got translucent, which is Klippas Neuger. And we've got Gimel, we've got Gimel Klippas Tameis, which is opaque. The soul of the of the Jew, the human soul of the Jew, 
is channeled through Klippus Neuger, which means there's an element of good. Gentlemen, what's the definition of good? For our intents and purposes. Mute. Everyone's on mute. Of God. Hmm? No, that's not good. That would be selfless. Good. That would be selfless. Good. So good, yeah. Good, good, godly would be of God, but good basically, like a goy can be good. A goy can't be godly, how according to how I understand it. Uh, not well, not like how a Jew can be godly, but uh, but anyone can be good. Good means the appreciation of another over yourself, which is quite a feat, to be honest. That that that's that's purely in the realm of human. An animal can't do that. The so so when we say that the human, the Jewish animal soul, the Jewish human soul comes from Klippus Neugier, we're referring to the fact that it has an innate natural goodness to it, meaning that as a natural being, a Jew without having to do any work, and is that's why we're called Baishanim. Rahmanim, the Goimle Chasadim. Those three traits are all, all allude to the fact that the natural soul of the Jew appreciates another human being. Bushas, he the person you're standing in front exists, therefore you have Bushas. Gemis Hasadim and Rahmanim Kidua. So, so the Jewish soul comes from the Klippas Neuger, the, the, sorry, not the, 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 the human soul of the Yid comes from Klippas Neuger, which means that with no, um, exertion on behalf of yourself, basically you could be a really good guy. You just, basically you were made a good guy. That's what it is. That Yidden are just made by God to be good guys. So don't don't pat yourself on the back when you you know when you give tzedakah or when you appreciate that the uh, you know you feel bad because this guy whatever. That's just that's just how he made you. That's not you doing well. It could be that we we got we took on a second nature and then brought ourselves back. So maybe you could give yourself a pat on the back, depending. But you you were made with the ability, with the natural innate ability to appreciate the reality of another human being. That's the, um, that's the Indian of Klippus Neuger. And that's the Indian of your Neshama, of your, of your animal soul coming from Klippus Neuger. That's the difference between the animal soul, the human soul of a Yid and the human soul of other people. That, by the way, I heard from Romanis explicitly a few times that there are lots of goyim in this generation whose whose human soul also comes from Klippus Neuger. should know that. I heard that him, him say that personally a few times. Um, and I heard it also in the name of the Lubavitcher Rebbe as well. So that it doesn't say that in the Tanya, though. The Tanya says that the Neshama, the, the Nefesh of the Umoisa Oilem, it calls them, comes from the Klippus Timaeus, which doesn't have any natural ability to appreciate another human being, and therefore their entire avoider in this world is coming to the madrega of appreciating the reality of another human being. Whereas by a Jew, that
that is innate to us. Therefore, our avoid it in this world is coming to appreciate the reality of the creator, which isn't innate and natural to our human soul. That takes work. That takes a lot of work. Okay, so you remember the breakdown of the, the structure of the godly soul? It's composed of like 10 elements. You remember we spoke about that? Bina and Das, which makes up the Seichel. And then um, which makes up the Midas. Okay, so it's divided into three and seven. That's a, right. Intellect and emotions. Now, the first thing I'm just going to say quickly is that by the by the Nefesh and the Kis, the Tanya refers to them as Spheris HaKadoshis, or Bechinas that are Nishtal from the Spheris HaKadoshis. That alludes to their interdependent structure. All of these faculties in the godly soul operate as a cohesive, unified whole. They're all team players. And in fact, that's very much a definition of Kadusha, a team player. Because that's only possible, well, the word really is, is yichud, is unity. That's only possible when there's humility. And by by the Kleeper, there isn't a humility, so they can't get on with each other. But the Rebbe calls them, when he's referring to these 10 powers that are a mirror reflection of the of the godly soul, the Rebbe refers to them as the Esa Kissendim Savusa, the 10 crowns of filth, impurity, whatever. But it's very important because they're called 10 crowns. This is such a deep insight that is just applicable in everything. Crowns referred to Malchus, to, to kingdom, to kingship. The concept of like the United Nations is a very... Kessa. Exactly. Kessa, yeah, Kessa. It's, it's, well, well, Kessa Malchus. It's Kessa and Malchus are inextricably... Well, yeah, Malchus goes into Kessa. Kessa. They, they're, they're, they're inextricably linked to each other. So the union of, of, of the, the crowns of impurity is referring to or hinting to the fact that the inner world of the Nefesh of Bahamas, of the, of the human soul, is fragmented and independent not interdependent, this is such a deep idea, is that the godly soul looks out or at, looks out on the world as a unity. It sees itself as a, a detail in a, in, a, in a bigger picture, an interdependent detail in a bigger picture. The animal soul the egotistical soul sees itself as a fragmented, isolated, independent player, basically in competition with endless, antagonistic, potentially threatening or potentially helpful other players. And that comes from the actual structure the inner structure of the soul. So the inner structure of the, of the godly soul is a cohesive whole. 
So it sees the world in the same light. You, you hear how, how moiridic this is? So the, the godly soul having an internal unity sees reality, external reality, as an absolute unity. The animal soul with a fragmented and disjointed inner reality sees the entire world as a fragmented, disjointed bunch of details with no unification. We could talk about that for ages, but, but that's that's basically the thing. Now, I just want to just, I'm going to, I want to just step out of Tanya for one minute and just say something really, really hush. Right, can I, if you've got a pen with you, write down this line, yeah? Pete was tending to a plain pair of equal size. Yeah, yeah, I'll say again. Pete, like the name Pete, the guy, a guy called Pete, Pete was tending to a plain pair of equal size. It's just the mnemonic to remember these five words, because these five words are really, really hush of. Pete was tending to a plain pair of equal size. These are the five words. Competing, contending, complaining, comparing and criticizing competing contending complaining comparing and criticizing five words that are um that th this is this is what the this is what the animal soul is all about Competing, contending, complaining, comparing, criticizing. What's the tzadashava in those five activities? The prefix kam. <laughs> they all begin with C. That is a that is a that is a hint to Kessa. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're all self. <clears throat> they're all about the self. More than that. That's 100%, but it's more than that. I'll say it again. Competing, contending, complaining, comparing, and criticizing. They're all um, focusing on the other. They're focusing on turning the other into more <laughs> other. Moiridic. You guys are listening. Turning the other into more other? Into more, making the other more otherly. Turning up the otherness. You with me? How is criticizing, how is criticizing turning up the otherness? You're making a. You're, you're, I mean, I'm trying to change you to be more like me. Well, well, it could be you're not trying to change me. You're just criticizing me. That that's the, all of those things. I mean, I, I don't say I, I can't think of how to explain that. 
criticizing is uh, I don't want to get too quiet, but th these five C's competing, contending, complaining, comparing, and criticizing are five of the favorite tools that our animal soul uses to make the other more otherly. That's what the animal soul is trying to do constantly. We saw, we told we said that before. He's trying to be, trying to be as in in as as big a bee as he can. And and these five things I just I mentioned here because they begin with C, which is a remis to Kessa, the kissum de Masabusa. Pardon me. But anyway, okay. Vita. Everyone's good? Same questions? I'd come. Okay. We we're changing gear a little bit now. Okay, the relationship between intellect and emotions in the animal soul is different between the relationship between intellect and emotions in the in the uh, in the godly soul. Emotions are called children. Intellects are called parents. Emotions are all children are always born of the parents. So emotions always come from the parent, uh, come from the intellect. As we said before, if you don't know about something, you can't have any emotions towards it. And the more you know about it, the deeper your knowledge gets of it, becomes of it, the deeper your emotions become. So emotions are born of intellect in, every, in, in both souls, animal soul and godly soul. But the, a really good marshal that I heard from Chase Tao that really helps us understand this is that in the godly soul, the emotions are born of the intellect and then the intellect acts as good parents and educates, trains and guides the emotions. As in the emotions, the children, so to speak, stay under the auspices of the parents. That's the godly soul, meaning the intellect is Ica and the emotions are are um, um, secondary. The, the intellect is dominant and the emotions are subject to the intellect. The intellect guides the emotions. That's in the godly soul. So that's analogous to a good household where the parents give birth to the kids and then they mama should educate them in the way that they, they need to be educated. Yeah. The animal soul, the emotions are born of the intellect. But then the emotions turn on the intellect and hijack the intellect. That's called spoilt children. The children take over the house and now they use the parents for two, one of two, well, in the, in the, in the soul, in the, in, in the, in the analog, it's better in the, in the nimsha is better that the, the emotions use the intellect to, um, to justify and execute. So it comes out, if you've got a dynamic of a weak parent and a strong manipulative child, 
would it be better for the kid if his parents very rich or not very rich? Rich parents are analogous to a powerful mind. If the kid is manipulative and the parents are weak, but they've got a lot of money, that kid is in for a really rough ride. You with me? And that accounts, this is a crazy thing. This is, I've got a whole shield on this, but this accounts for why anorexic, if you look up, um, look up anorexic, Girl, it's mainly by women. Anorexic girls are almost, without exception, more intelligent, have higher IQs than than girls who don't have anorexia. Why? What's shut with that? Anyone can throw out an idea. Typically, I believe that a lot of people who have emotional or mental issues, a lot of times they are on the brighter side because there's a lot more to think about. There's a lot more to process. If you're just kind of oblivious or or, or naive to to uh, you know intellect, um, you don't have much. It's kind of like blissful. Um, but when you have what to think about, a lot of smart people have emotional and mental issues for that reason. So. So think of it like, I appreciate that. The, the idea of a high intellect is basically like a more powerful computer. The mind is quicker and the mind can generate more powerful imagery. It's just the more power, you just, a person with a high intellect has a more powerful mind. That means that when a girl is standing in the mirror, yeah, and she's mummish, like a skeleton if her mind is more powerful she can if if the if the thoughts are coming quickly enough and 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 and, and powerfully enough it can delude her into thinking that she's actually fat that's the downside of having a strong mind a person with a simple mind would look in the mirror see a very skinny person and not be that's it you know i've got to got to you know get myself to mcdonald's or something whereas whereas a person with a powerful mind can actually delude themselves into thinking into into whatever they want that's the that's analogous to the spoiled child with wealthy parents so that's that's the mechanics of the Nefesh of Bahamas, that the intellect gives birth to the emotions, as always, but then the emotions hijack the intellect and use the intellect to, um, like I said, to justify and to execute, to justify what they want to do and then to come up with a plan of how to do it. So in that case, the stronger the, the stronger intellect is is um is detrimental to the to the being everyone's with me okay so there's i i the, the i mean the 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 and the image for this i've got it in this paper you'll see is the picture of a cow and a a person is that in the uh 
in a human being, the human beings that only bipedal um, being, he, he walks on two legs. So always the intellect is above the above the emotions. So in the human being, the um, the um, the the um, the intellect is is dominant over the over the emotions and guides them. Um, in the animal, animals basically walk on all fours. Even the ones who stand on two legs basically walk on all fours. No, no animal is actually a bipedal by their like their icker locomotion, from what I know. So um, the picture of an animal is always with the head and the and the emotions with each other. Now I don't want to get in too much involved in this, but it really is quite important. So I just have to mention it. Although we said that the emotions hijack the intellect, yeah, which is true in the animal soul. If you really want to get clear on the actual relationship, is it's the English word is called commensurate, that the emotions are commensurate with the with the intellect, which means if let's just ask a question: if in the godly soul we have to exert energy to get, we have to exert mental energy to move our emotions. Yeah. How comes it is that a, a five-year-old kid is into like Tonka toys and Meccano and whatever. And then that same child who lived a very natural life and didn't, you know, wasn't working on themselves particularly, by the time they're 30, they're now into, you know, um, Patek Philippe watches and, and and Bugatti cars. What happened? You with me? You hear that? Do you hear the question? Like to get more to get more into God, you have to sit there and meditate basically and learn and move yourself. Wow, you know, and, and constant move. How is it that a guy just sits in this world and at five years old, he's into lollipops, and at twenty-five year old, twenty-five years old, he's into uh, he's into uh, tag watches. What happened? Matured. So matured. Well, that yeah, but, but what what is that? You're right, but what does that mean? He matured. What happened? His his his. He always had an underlying want for um, some kind of materialistic uh external object and his taste um matured into what well, not what necessarily taste but well it became his identity that mm, yeah, yes true i hear that i hear that yo yo was like a step step ahead of the game here that what happened was he just took in more information not just more information he also has a higher ability sensitivity to appreciate those things if you gave the whiskey to the little kid he wouldn't appreciate it that, that i think that's actually it's not just exposure i think it's the that's from information as well like I'm, I'm i hear what you're saying i don't know i i think you're right as well i think that's a lot to do with the actual information like you like the mind of a child is there is a there is a point in the child where the the mind of the child I think like between six and eight or nine when the child becomes analytic but then after that, it's just a concept of adding in more information and getting more 
more Hakdamas. Either way, we can argue this out, I don't know. But but the point is that it's a passive thing that as, as who was it? What, what's your name? De Hoven, what, what's your name? Avi. Avi. So as what Avi said, that the mind matures, whether it, whether you say it just develops however you said that it develops like that, but there's definitely the in the, the element of receiving more information. So either way, nothing really happened. He didn't change his emotions. It's just now he appreciates the same thing enclosed in different in different graphics. That's just how the, the animal soul works. So that's a level of that the emotions are commensurate with the intellect as opposed to guided and directed and manipulated by the intellect. Okay, everyone's good? Okay, we're into another another thing now. <laughs> this is a really big inyanim. Okay, this is just one chapter. This is a really, really important concept to get down, okay? Everyone's with me? Okay. Behavior is considered an entity. Okay. This is an entity, yeah? Like a rock is an entity. I'm an entity. You could call it a thing, a being, whatever, whatever you want to call it, yeah? A behavior is looked upon at the same in the same way. And it's really important to understand this. You'll see in a minute. So when we say that, for example, a rock has got specific dimensions, it's so big, it starts here, it ends here, it weighs this much, etc. And then it's got properties. It's hard, it's cold, it's grey. Okay? So there's what's called dimensions and properties. If you want to get really deep, we would call that body and soul. You could also call that kiyum and chius. Well, you can think about that yourselves. But basically, an entity has got a body and a soul, like a rock. Its body is that it's so big and it begins here, ends here, etc. This shape. Its properties are that it's cold, it's hard, it's heavy, etc. Now, that's exactly the same with behavior. So, for example, let's just take the example of I greet you with a Shulam Aleichem. Okay? Say, Yitzi Shulam Aleichem. It had dimensions. The dimensions are it began with the Sh and ended with the um, Yeah? That it had a beginning and an end, just like the rock has a beginning and an end. Yeah? And it has a it has um, a life force. What do I call it? It has it has properties. It has a soul. Shalom Aleichem is warm. It's kind. It's different than you know saying something not nice. Yeah. So you realize conceptually, this is really a really important idea. Is conceptually any behavior, whether it's thought, speech, or action. I just gave an example of a of a speech is considered conceptually in the exact same way as a as a as a stender as a lamp as a rock as a cow as a tree are you with me is that clear people got that clear we'll try and say it again 
So it really is a din on body and soul. Everyone understands that a rock has got a body and it's got a soul, yeah? The soul means that, like, let me ask you a question. What exists more, you or the table that you're sitting in front of? They both exist. Yeah, there's no levels to existence. It exists. The levels are in, in the relative levels of life. That's called the properties. So the life of the table, for example, is it's hard, it's flat, it's even, it's raised, etc. The properties of you are intellect, emotion. It's like, why is water water and why is fire fire? They both exist equally but they have different life. They have a different soul, which means that water is wet and cold and it goes down and it goes level, etc. Yeah, Fire is hot, it's yellow, it goes up, it's dry, etc. So that's called the soul of fire. It has a kiam and it has a chiz. I, we, 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 I really didn't want to get into this. This is like really going off, off top. I, I have to say that. But the point is that just like any physical thing yeah entity has got a body and a soul has got a uh, has got dimensions and properties that those are my made up words so too any behavior whether it's an action whether it's a speech or whether it's a thought has got the same things so an action is um i put on to fill in yeah it begins with putting the box on my arm pulling it and doing the thing, saying the brocha, and then it ends with when I take whatever, whatever, whatever the dimensions are, yeah? And then it has properties. It's done with this kind of box and it, etc. That's exactly the same way. And like to fill in the property of to fill in, the properties of to fill in are very different to the properties of talus. So in the exact same way that you've got this cup which is an entity, we have to conceptually understand behavior literally in the exact same way. When you do something, when you say something, when you think something, you just made a cup. Really, like you made a cup, really. And like you put in light inside it if it's a good thing. People with me? This, these ideas, they need to be gone. You need to go over them again and again and again. But as long as we feel that we've got a basic understanding, now we can go to the next stage. Um, the human soul expresses itself. How does a soul express itself? What's the word that we use for a soul, for how a soul expresses itself? Levushim? Yes. Maybe. Yes. How do we translate Levushim into English? Don't say clothes or garments. Machshava <laughs> Dibar Maisa. Yes. Right. Oh, I'm so happy. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That's called behavior. A soul expresses himself or herself through behavior. The godly soul expresses herself exclusively through. Mitzvah behavior. 
That's all she cares about. So how does the human soul express himself? What kind of behavior does the human soul express himself through? Animal behavior. Mm, hopefully not. Selfish behavior. Human behavior, exactly. Human behavior. Whether it's washing your car, eating something, and not eating for the sake of the pleasure, eating for the kiam of the goof. That's called human behavior. That's not godly behavior. That's human behavior. What's it for? It's for you. It's to, for the kiam of you, for you to be able to go vita. So that is the human behavior is, is any behavior that is not connected to mitzvah. Therefore, it's called sitra achra. The other side. The other side of what? The other side of Kedusha. The other side of Mitzvah. It's just other. It's not Mitzvah. So everything else. That's what the Rebbe refers to as all the, all the behavior under the sun. And that messes us up. If you want to look at this world in very black and white eyes, which is a good idea. Sadiq can look at the world through very black and white eyes in their own life. For other people, maybe not. But um, but everything is either taking you towards him or taking you away from him. It's blah. Everything. There's no middle ground. When we're doing something exclusively for the kiam of our goof, that is what the Zohar Kodesh calls the, uh, the, the translation is the ruination of the spirit. That why? Because when you're looking at your life in terms of a relationship with the Rabbi Shloilam, then it's either about you or it's about him. Now, when we're talking about doing something lishma. That doesn't mean you have to sit there going you don't that that's not what it means yeah just for example like when you're when you're in involved in a project a really consuming project like and you've been worked for and you're just like at one point you're like wow i haven't eaten for like eight hours i should go and eat something you go and quickly eat something and come back to the project yeah that eating was obviously part of the project you don't have to sit there and think now i'm eating for the project now i'm eating for the project if your whole life is in con if if your whole thing right now is in context of the project you go out and you eat for a minute you go out you sleep for a minute you go out do some exercise that's all part of the project so don't get crazy about thinking that everything has to be the shame and, and everything's with the eyes closed with the pears and the the, the the white eye thing like that and all the shit, all the all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's it doesn't need to be like that. It can be much more selfless. Meaning it can be much more um, what's the word? Less self-conscious. You're eating something right now. Are you thinking about God? No. 
Is it divine? A hundred percent. Why? Because my life is about the Rabbi My whole life is dedicated to the Rabbi So you're right, I'm eating something. Now. I'm not saying the shame yichud, but that's cool. That's fine. Still Kaddish, Mamash, Kaddish Kaddashim. That's a very important point because people can drive themselves nuts with this. It's very important to know that. You can be very normal. You can be very, very holy and very, very normal. In fact, I would I would hazard saying that I'm not sure if you could be really holy and not be normal at the same time, at least in front of other people. Anyway, um, so now we're just, I mean, we're going to say this quickly. We could spend literally hours on each thing we're going to say now. But we'll just say it quickly. So, so Kedusha, we said, is transparent, yeah? So any behavior that is ultimately godly, like putting on tefillin, yeah? You wouldn't put, there's no other reason to put on tefillin other than the mitzvah tefillin, yeah? So that's a transparent act. That's a kadosh act. When it comes to eating, well, Everyone eats. You need to eat. So it could be drafted in, into Kedusha if that energy is going to be used to serve Hashem or not. So, so now when you're doing an act, a mitzvah act, that becomes transparent, yeah? Transparent to what? To you. No, the opposite. When you're doing a mitzvah act, when you're doing a mitzvah, a transparency is created. What What is visible through that transparent filter that you create? Kedusha? Exactly. The Rabboni Shlolem. When you, we've said this before, but when a person's doing a mitzvah, that's like a portal opening into this world and the Rabboni Shloilam pouring through. That's called transparency. That should be the experience of when you sit in front of a tzaddik. When you sit in front of a tzaddik, you shouldn't walk away saying, wow, that guy was this, that guy was that. When you walk away from a true tzaddik, you should just be thinking about the Rabboni Shloilam. That's what a tzaddik is. A tzaddik is a transparent filter that allows the Rabboni Shlodim to flow through. Now, that is called Geula. Geula, redemption, which is what we talk about the whole time, is defined as, I received from my very definition of Geula is the state of unimpeded, free-flowing expression. A guy who is living in a state of Geula is Zoicha to be expressing himself freely without any impediments. So in regards to the Boi that means the whole world would be Davik to Torah and mitzvahs, and then Hashem would be expressing himself into his world. That's called Geula. So it's the same for me, and it's the same for him, Lahavdil, in that my ga'ula is when I don't have all this like crazy baggage that's not allowing me to behave in accordance with who I am. So too, by the ga'ula shalema, it's the rabbinic shalema's not going to be having any like selfish, cancerous baggage 
in his goof, so to speak, that's stopping him from ex from from flowing, from from expressing himself freely. You with me? Is that clear? So then, what's gallus? Definition of gallus is the opposite. A person in gallus, like a person in prison, is in gallus. He can't express himself. He can't do what he wants. He can't be who he is. Can we go on for another 10 minutes or people have to run? The 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 definition that you gave for Geula, which is, uh, let's say, doing a mitzvah, which creates this transparency of allowing the Kedusha to flow in a transparent manner. Um, the reason why I hesitated not to answer that is because when I do a mitzvah, I don't feel anything. But based off what you're saying now, um, it seems like, oh, good, that's dafka. If you're doing a mitzvah properly tr in a transparent way, it's not about you. So dafka, you shouldn't feel it. Let Hashem flow through you. And he's doing what needs to be done. And it's not your achayas or rishus to feel anything. If you feel something, great. And if you don't, even better. That means you're onto something, which is a hard pill to swallow. But I think that's what you're communicating. So I... Mitzad Echad, yes. Mitzad Sheni, the emotions being involved in the mitzvah. What 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 you said is true, one hundred percent, as I understand it. Plus, there's a tremendous miler to doing mitzvahs without any pleasure. There really is. That's isn't, the, that, that's isn't the, that the uh, this week's part, last week's partial? I'll get you kosher aron. That's 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 the word, right? Are oh, you you're yeah. behind us? Yeah, exactly. we're a week before you. Exactly. After. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm not gonna say it right now, but 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 there's just to answer, just to add to what you're saying as well, is that there's also the drafting of the of the emotions into the mitzvah, which is so to speak, Hashem revealing Himself through the emotions. But but I don't want to get. I just wanted to add that in what you said. It doesn't it doesn't negate what you said, but there is more. There's more to the. There is more to it as well. So the emotions and experience is a chalik of the mitzvah, but it's it's a lesser chalik than right. the I, I would, mitzvah. I, I would think it would, it, yeah, it would be like madregas, right? And I would think that there is a level of humility and battle of like, you know, just come into the fold and be quiet and, and do your job. But then there's a higher madrega, like, no, like this should be ibdu ashashabasimcha. And you should really enjoy this mitzvah that you're doing, which takes a little bit more training and action. Like you need to put that machshava into action. And I do think that if one works on themselves, they could tap into that internal simcha. And you see this within like elter elter chasidim, elter chasidim that you know they just have so much simcha doing a a mitzvah for another Jew. That that, would, that brings them tremendous pleasure. Yeah. This is a whole class in itself. But we're gonna, but, but I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you 100. So now we have to define. So we've got a good. We've got a working definition. Definition of geula, yeah, free flowing expression. We've got a working definition of gallus, which is impeded expression. Now we need to get a definition of what it means panim and acharayim. When Hashem gives something, or for, not just Hashem, when one gives something to someone from the Acharayim, for another time, Gabriel. That's a big question. When when someone gives something to someone from the Panim, 
This this really deserves a, a whole share. But but I'll regular when you're giving something to someone, Bechinas Panem, it's about them. A relationship Panem Al Panem means you're in it for the other. Nothing that you can get from the other. The other is not a means to an end. The other is an end unto themselves. Like every interaction you should have with your child should be Panem Al Panem. You should never be trying to get anything from your children. That that is the surest way to cause them to rebel against you. Not that that's why you're doing it, but 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 that is why is it? That is um, um, the 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 relationship of panem means that you're in it for them, and nothing you can get from them. The relationship of achorayim is the exact opposite. So a perfect example of a panim al panim relationship would be a, a parent and his child. Yeah, you are in it for them, and the only thing in your mind is what's best for you. A great example of uh, a back-to-back relationship is your relationship with a cab driver. You need to get to whatever, Romema, and he wants money. So you don't care about him. He doesn't care about you. You just care about each other. You're just you're using each other. By the way, tangentially, that's the that's why tipping is so holy. In fact, a guy I learned this from a guy from California um, who gave me a tip after. I mean, I'm the photographer and I own the business, so he paid me the money for my for my work, and then he said, "Oh, and by the way, and here this is for you," and he gave me a tip. And that always stuck with me because the money was for me as well. But then what does it mean the tip is for you? That's why tip, that's why tipping is so hosher, because it flips the relationship from back to back to face to face. Very, very Haley, very, very Haylinger thing. Anyway, um, so now when Hashem is giving energy from his face, that's for something that's kadosh. It's not a means to an end. It's an end unto itself. Now let's plug this all back together now. Remember we explained that an action is like an entity, exactly the same thing. So everyone can conceptually understand that this book is drawing its chias from somewhere. Yeah. It's channeling its energy from some place and therefore it can be this book. Your behavior is the same thing. So whenever we do an act, it has a beginning and end. It has the body and it has the soul. It's the same thing. It's it's a thing. As such, it's also receiving its energy from somewhere. You see where we're going with this? So when when we do something that's kadosh, when we do an act that's kadosh, it's receiving its energy from the face of the Rabbeinu Shalom. Because it's an end unto itself. When we do an act, a human act, for the sake of, because we need to do it, without any godly intention, that act is receiving energy from the back of the Rabbeinu Shalom. Meaning the Rabbeinu Shalom is allowing it to take place 
but only for an ulterior motive. He doesn't care about it. He doesn't care that you're eating breakfast on a, on a Monday morning, yeah? Unless you're, you know, unless you're going to use the energy to, to go. He doesn't care about the guy next door to you eating breakfast on a Monday morning, yeah? That's not, he didn't make the world for the guy next door to eat breakfast on a Monday morning. But he needs that act to take place for whatever reason, his grand plan. And therefore, that act is receiving its energy from the backside of Hashem, from the Acharayim. Just like your interaction with the cab driver, where you don't really, you don't care about the cab driver himself. It's about what you can get from him. So too, that act is now receiving energy from the backside of Hashem. And not only that, that energy from Hashem is going into Gullus. That energy that Hashem is giving for that act to take place ends up getting chupped by that thought, speech, action, or whatever we'll say in a minute, and is not given the chance to express itself. You with me? It's being held prisoner within that behavior. Also, obviously, then, then the Rebbe goes via and he explains about the Gimel Klipus Timaeus that there's a whole bunch of things like, like the, the, the animal soul of the Goy, Alaroiv, impure animals that are trafe that are not, we're not allowed to eat, and then veg, vegetation like Kile Kerem and Orla that's also to eat as well, and then all the actions of the, all the prohibitions of the Torah, all the 365 prohibitions of the Torah. That is the exact same way that those entities, those entities are receiving their energy from the backside of Hashem, and then they go into gullus contained within the that container, and they are not given expression. And they will be redeemed at the end of days when Hashem shechs the Malachamavis. And all of that kadusha that got stuck in the Klipper will then be given its expression and will come back out. Amazing. Zuck, Any questions? <laughs> <laughs>